It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for The Athletic, Sam Amick. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Out to The Zone phone we go from The Athletic. He's our friend, Sam Amick. What's up, Sam? What's up, guys? How's it going? Hey, it's going great. Um, you know, you got to love sports radio when a big trade goes down in the NBA. It gives you uh, endless uh, discussion opportunities. So uh, let's let's just start out with your thought on, on how everything went down and uh, what uh, eventually led to James Harden being moved. Yeah, I mean, another crazy superstar saga in the NBA. You know, we've seen Jimmy Butler last couple of years, Anthony Davis. You know, situations where guys decide uh, they're not happy and they want to move. And, and the Harden one is one that I definitely didn't see coming. If you go back to last season, this is a guy that had talked pretty recently about wanting to retire with the Rockets and was kind of, you know, the guy in town. This was his city. And uh, Mike D'Antoni leaves after they lose in the bubble. Daryl Morey leaves and James, uh, you know, one, um, Russell Westbrook leaves or left him out. But, I mean, it, it all happened quickly from there. Um, as far as the trade itself, I'm a little surprised that he gets where he wanted to go, you know, but I, I guess I mostly understand that Houston uh, wanted all these draft picks and all the assets that they had lost and and the, uh, the, the Westbrook trade and things like that. And they get a look at Victor Oladipo. So, a lot of angles to it. Um, you know, the Brooklyn chapter, a part of it is obviously the most compelling. I mean, I'm just dying to see, you know, is it going to be the three stars that find a way to make it work and win the whole damn thing? Or is it going to be that we learn that it's a team game beyond three stars and, and the lack of depth and, and maybe chemistry conflict that seems very possible or plausible uh, might nip them uh, in the bud in the end. You know, I, I, it's fascinating. We want to talk about what's going on with the Nets, but uh, going back to Houston, was there what was the straw that broke the back, Sam? What, what what happened where it snapped and James Harden said, "That's it, I'm gone." I mean, I think honestly, it, it's mostly what we thought it was all along, which is that I think Tillman Fertitta, um, the Rockets owner, missed managed the Mike D'Antoni situation and underestimated the degree to which James liked playing for Mike, wanted to play for Mike. I mean, they built an entire system around James's talent. And, you know, so, so they, they didn't get an extension done with Mike uh, last year. And then there was a small chance even after the Rockets lost to the Lakers in the bubble that Mike would return. And, you know, Tillman kind of botched that where and we wrote about that at the time where, you know, D'Antoni was hoping to hear from him over the phone after they lost in the playoffs and then was kind of insulted because he never called him that night, didn't call him the next morning. And the next thing you know, Mike says, all right, forget it. I'm out of here. So Mike leaves and then former Rockets GM Daryl Morey leaves not that long after. And if you're hardened, it's like, man, we had built this whole thing. And now, you know, the, the guys who I did it with are gone. And, and meanwhile, you know, Russell Westbrook had decided that, that he, didn't, he didn't like the way it went, and he was looking for a change of scenery. So it, it's kind of a domino effect. And, and James, you know, it's funny because for all the money James makes, one element, you know, you see D'Antoni choose to leave, Maury choose to leave. You know, James didn't have control of his own future. He's got to wait and see if the team is going to be willing to find a, a trade for him. And so – 
during that time, it gets pretty uncomfortable. And you guys know what happened within all that. But, uh, you know, eventually he gets where he wanted to go. So I guess the big question is, Sam, do you think this is going to work? Um, I don't know. Top of mind, I'm going to say no. I mean, I think they're going to win a lot of games. Um, Kevin Durant's the guy that I have the far and away the most confidence in. And because I've seen him, even though it might not have ended perfectly with the Warriors and there were, you know, there were issues at the end, I've seen him, you know, be a finals MVP twice and, and be the best version of himself within a context that had other future Hall of Famers. And so we know Kevin can do it. And, you know, Kyrie, in terms of unpredictability, is obviously in a class all by himself right now. And then with James, it's like, you know, James has been part of a, a deeper team where he had to yield and sacrifice. And But that was during the OKC days. That was a long time ago. So I don't know if James can evolve and, and kind of adjust. Um, so, you know, the, the smart money is on the field. So I, I probably would go against the Nets winning the whole thing. I mean, they lose rim protection with Jared Allen leaving. Uh, DeAndre Jordan is not the guy that he was in a Clippers jersey. And uh, there's a lot of question marks. Now, offensively, you know, they're going to be pretty dangerous. But uh, defensively, that's the question. And, you know, I'm, I'm, they're going to be a good team. I just don't necessarily think I'm willing to say they're going to win the whole thing. It's like you said, Sam, there's a lot of spackling to go on in those gaps now between the superstars, you know. I mean, and I and I don't know how that's going to work, but I guess that's why we're all going to watch. What does all this mean for Houston now? What do they do with all these picks? And and what, what do you make of their prospects uh, now and as the next season or two goes by? It's funny. I've been, I've been kind of fielding opinions during the day and – some people that definitely know what they're doing, you know, really like Houston's deal. Others are skeptical about the value of the draft assets that they got. I mean, it, it all depends on, you know, the question that you guys just asked, is Brooklyn going to get the job done? Because it's almost as if the Rockets are, are sending a message by doing this trade that they do not believe James Harden can go be a championship contender in Brooklyn because they need – the Nets to fail really miserably over the course of the next, you know, four or five, six years, whatever it is with all these picks in order for them to maximize the assets. And um, if the, if the Nets are really good and if all these guys resign when their contracts are up in a couple of years and keep it going, then all they got for James Harden, a former MVP with a bunch of late first round picks and, and pick swaps that don't, don't matter all that much. And then, Victor Oladipo, who's a free agent this summer, and you know who knows if they resign him. So um, that that part's up in the air, and, and it's again what Brooklyn does and who they are is what is going to be the X factor. Sam, I, I bring this up realizing that it's delicate to talk about a player who's missing games because of personal issues because, you know, we don't know what those issues are and, and they could be a variety of things and, and you don't want to go too far with it. But we do know that Sean Mark said yesterday that the franchise is disappointed that Kyrie Irving is, is not with the team. Give us your read on this situation and, and what's going on with him. Yeah, I mean, it is, it's strange only because a player – being away is not unprecedented, but what you're not hearing is, you know, Sean Mark said today that they were disappointed. I, I watched his press conference and, but they're, to my knowledge, they're not finding him. They're not taking any pay away. 
Um, they're just letting him be away. And they're also admitting that they don't know when he's coming back. And that's just not normal. And, you know, it speaks a lot to, you know, during this player empowerment era that a guy like Kyrie could just say, you know, I'll let you know when I'm coming back and, and have it not create a ton of chaos. Cause it really doesn't appear to be creating, you know, creating a ton of chaos internally for the Nets right now. Um, you know, some people think for sure that that situation added the kind of pressure that led them to get more desperate. And the desperation is, is when you, for an executive, that you've got to smell that blood and, and find desperate teams. And then that's what the Rockets feel like they did here. Um, but it is bizarre. And now if you're Kyrie, whenever he comes back, it's going to be wild because it's like, hey, buddy, welcome back. Um, the seat over there for the third option is vacant. So you can take that seat, even though you thought, you know, this was your production because, you know, let, let's be honest, he kind of recruited Kevin Durant to go with him to Brooklyn. And, and now you got a guy in James Harden who is uh, just as ball dominant as Kyrie is. And, and it's going to be tricky for all three of those guys to kind of to feel like they are able to play like the best version of themselves, you know, with the kind of talent around them that they have. That whole story back there, Sam, is uh, it is it's compelling theater, uh, and I, I can't wait to see how it turns out. But in the meantime, we turn our attention to the West, and yeah, the Lakers are the best team in the West, in my opinion. I mean, they lead now, and they'll probably lead at the end. But what normally is not all that interesting, I think, is really compelling this time around. Who's going to finish second? Who's going to finish third? There are five teams with. Similar, the exact same number of losses at this point, all of them battling for next best to the Lakers. How do you think this is going to turn out? No, I mean, I'm with you. I, you know, the Clippers certainly, I think, still get that kind of 1A, 1B spot. Um, you know, Denver has struggled. Portland struggled. You know, Utah's played pretty well. Um, you know, kudos to them for, in this pandemic era, not very easy to, to get through a road trip without any postponed games, you know, and then also winning quite a few. And, you know, it seems like they've mostly found their way. And so it's, you know, it's loaded in the West and even the Warriors, you know, it's, you know, we thought they were in the bottom tier and now you start wondering like, Oh, maybe they're in the third tier. Maybe they are a playoff team. And, you know, they've had some good wins lately. So it'll be fun. And my favorite tweet of the day which kind of speaks to uh, the West and the Lakers. Uh, LeBron retweeted a guy who had done a reenactment of uh, pretending he was LeBron at practice with the Lakers when they got news of the James Harden trade. And he went on this rant screaming about how I'm 36 years old and basically why do these other teams need to keep stacking up against me? You know, I had to beat the Warriors. And, and he calls Kyrie on the cell phone and he's like, Kyrie, why, why do you need two guys to beat me? And so, like, LeBron is, is trying to hold on to this territory that he carved out again by winning his fifth championship last year. Um, and, you know, that's that's who's on top right now. And I think uh, the tricky part is just like, man, what's it going to look like the next couple months getting to the playoffs? You know, we're going to talk every week, guys, about, you know, who's on top, who's on bottom, but it's never been harder to really know who really is on top and on bottom because of, the virus and because of the impact it's having on uh, the, the game itself and players being in and out every night and games getting postponed 
you know, it's, it's not a real true representation of, of what these different teams might have. Sam, uh, tomorrow night here at the arena, the Atlanta Hawks are going to be in town. And I've got to admit, I'm, I'm excited to see the Hawks uh, uh, closely because Trey Young is certainly an exciting player, but they've got all these offensive weapons. What are, what's your take on the Hawks and uh, as they tried to build their way up in the East? Yeah, I mean, super talented team. You know, injury bug hit them early. Uh, Danilo Gallinari and Chris Dunn and Bogdanovich, who – they, they kind of had an update today that, that he's looking a little better than they thought. That, you know, I'm being told he'll be back this season, but I think it's going to probably be a few months. Um, so within that, they get off to a four and one start. They look pretty good, you know. But we wrote last week uh, about some of the internal issues they were going through. John Collins, in particular, had spoken up at a film session about uh, Trey Young and about the way he's running the team and just kind of you know chemistry stuff and. And uh, I think it's going to be challenging for Lloyd Pierce, to the coach, to make the most of it and, and honestly hold on to his job. I think he's on the hot seat for sure. And, uh, you know, they've got potential, but they have pressure too. Their owner, Tony Ressler, you know, is definitely looking at this season like this is a playoff team and anything shy of that, like, heads are going to roll. So, you know, we'll see what happens with the Hawks. You mentioned the Jazz earlier, Sam, and our listeners love to hear what someone such as yourself who sits on such a lofty perch uh, in covering the NBA. Oh, Scott Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> what, you, what you think, I, I really mean that, by the way, but uh, what you think of the Jazz and whether you think, and we ask you this all the time, but does this team have the potential to do something beyond the expected? Yeah, I think they do. I mean, I've, I've said countless times that, you know, I really like – the you know the Donovan Rudy Gobert combo, and the idea that they, they you know they they ran it back with that group by giving them both extensions, or with that duo rather, and from there it's like they have things in their corner now that were not in their corner in the bubble. You know they have Boyan Bogdanovich, they have Mike Conley, um, and you know you got Joe Ingles still doing what he does and being a glue guy. And, a playmaker and a locker room guy who, who's got leadership qualities. So, you know, and, and Jordan Clarkson. So I, I think that the potential is there. The continuity is there. And it's just a matter of, you know, is it one of those teams that we're going to overlook like we always do? But then we, we find out that after going through March 11th together and all the COVID crisis where their team was front and center and folks thinking that, they didn't have a chance to keep it together. You know, did they grow internally in the kind of way that, that maybe we don't really see until it's playoff time again? And then, you know, within all that, I think it's Donovan elevating his game again. You know, he's this is a star league. I and mean, if you even just go back to the Nets, like you say what you will about Brooklyn, they have three future Hall of Famers and two former MVPs, and, you know, and two champions within that three. And uh, teams like the Jazz and most others can't compete with that on a star level. So Donovan is going to be the guy who's got to continue to to try to you know to you know can you be a top fifteen guy? Can you be a top ten guy? And then that's what he's got to be pushing for. What do you think about how well Gordon Hayward's played for the Hornets so far? It's been good to see. Um, you know, a lot of chatter when Charlotte gave him one hundred twenty million dollars that he wasn't worth it. You know, I was a little, um, at the time, surprised because, you know, they weren't the only team 
willing to pay him a lot of money. The Hawks had about $100 million out for him. And, you know, and so that kind of sent a message to me that, you know, people thought that his injuries the last couple of years, like, it's, it's real easy to to have a narrative around you that you're injury prone and your best days are behind you. But, you know, he had the foot and then he had the knee and stuff was unrelated. And the, the general consensus for some teams going into free agency was that he was going to be fine. Um, so, so far, I mean, it, it looks like that's the case. And he's, ironically, he's out again tonight with an injury. But, um, you know, I, I get the move. You know, Charlotte's a market where they're never going to get big stars unless they trade for them or, get, you know, or overpay them. And that's obviously what they felt like they had to do. Sam, earlier you were talking about Jordan Clarkson. I have a question about him. You know, he has really been playing well, and the degree of difficulty on his shots are sometimes remarkable, and he's shooting 50%, and he's scoring over 17 points a game. Could he be sixth man of the year? Yeah, he could be in the running for sure. Um, You know, I feel like the voters, we we probably have some voter fatigue on – you know, Lou Williams and guys like that. Um, you know, Dennis Schroeder starting now is, is a, takes him out of the running. You know, Montrose Harrell, maybe he gets a look from the Lakers. But, yeah, I think Jordan for sure is a guy that, that could be in the running. If the Rockets get going, you know, you look at a guy like DeMarcus Cousins, you know, who's been coming off the bench, you know, maybe he could be a candidate. But I don't see any reason why Jordan couldn't be in that race. Sam, thank you very much as always. We appreciate it. Catch you next week. Thanks, Sam. All right, guys. Have a good weekend. Back at you, Sam. Thanks, buddy. All right, that's our friend Sam Amick. Uh, Of course, catch all his work uh, at The Athletic. Yeah. I I love hearing Sam talk about the Jazz because you you and I see this team all the time. Sam is sort of taking the – macro approach to the league and he obviously he's been very involved in reporting on what's happening in houston and now brooklyn but uh i'd like to hear what he has to say about the jazz and whether he thinks they have a shot you know i mean jazz fans like to think that but uh i get the feeling from some jazz fans well i kind of believe it when we see it you know they want to they want to jump on that bandwagon but they're not really sure and the Jazz have a lot to prove still, but it seems like Sam is uh, open-minded about what the Jazz might be able to accomplish. Yeah, they need to prove that they can take it to the next level for sure. I mean, they're a yeah. good team. We've known they're, they've been a good team for a couple of years. You know, we've we've seen the four-five seed thing uh, a few times. You know, and they've uh-huh. got to prove that they can take it to the next level. I I thought they could have finished as high as second last year, Gordon, as we were going into that year, and maybe. You know, we uh, or me or whatever had a little bit too lofty of expectation for that particular version of the Jazz. But I, I believe that next step is there. And, and I'm sure, yeah. you know, they would tell you they're progressing toward it. And, and I would believe that. I, I, think, I think this team deserves a chance to, to show that it can get better. Uh, uh, Donovan Mitchell needs to smooth his ride a little bit. And the Jazz as a whole need to do that. But I think they key off of him. And if he's able to do that and truly be a consistent star, then I think the Jazz will be all right. If they played Washington last night, they'd be tied for second in the in the West with the Clippers because they would have won that game, and they'd be eight and four. Instead, they're seven and four, and the Clippers are eight and four. But they're they're right there, you know. I mean, 
And and from what we've seen out of them, I think that you and I, who both look at this team with something of a critical lie, I hope we do, uh, we have we have seen that they can do better, they can play better than what we've seen thus far. And they're already just shy, uh, a whisker shy of being in second place in the West. They can get better. They're not the only ones. I mean, I... I think the Nuggets can get much better, and, and maybe others can as well. But certainly the Jazz can play better than what we've seen out of them so far. I don't know if they can play better than they played against Milwaukee, honestly. Well, that was one game. Yeah, I got you. But well, I mean, yeah. we've seen them play a few of those games. But I don't, I don't know if it could get much better than that. I mean, they were so good in that game. The two games. I mean, it was, it was, what was it? It was the first game. And Portland. The, yeah. yeah, the game against the Bucks. That's the that's the pinnacle so far, but they, that well, win against the Clippers was pretty good. I don't know if yeah, they played as right. well as they did in those other two games, but that was that was. You said a few, game. and yeah, that's three. So I I, I agree with that. Uh, but the games that they have not taken advantage of, they did not look uh, like what we would expect them to look like, and that's what I'm talking about. If they can smooth the ride, and and I, do you agree with me? That really does key off of Donovan Mitchell. I think he has not been particularly efficient. He has on some occasions, but I think he can be more efficient than what we've seen. I don't have his stats in front of me right now. I don't know what he's shooting, but isn't it uh, down around forty percent or something like that, or maybe just north of it? And I think he he can be more efficient than that. And we saw what he did in the bubble. And I don't expect fifty points a game. But I certainly think he's capable of, of all, not that all, all that uncommon for him to score at least 30 points a game. And he hasn't really done that uh, on the reg this year uh, so far, but I think he can. Didn't you uh, just Google something like a segment ago? Yeah, but I didn't, I didn't Google that. He's currently shooting 41.7%. I've always Googled. I knew it was around 40% because I Googled it the other day, and he's only played one game since. He had a nice game, but uh, so he's up one percentage point. Stay tuned. We'll have more Big Show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.